Good afternoon, good morning to those who listened in to the show, whatever time you listen to this. Thank y'all for tuning in to the show once again, Last Word Productions. I am your host, Tavares Wilson. As you all know, I always get the last word. Now, got a lot I want to discuss today. We're going to get into some NBA preseason, some news that's been reported in the NBA regards to Draymond Green. If you haven't heard already, I'll talk about that here. As well as some NFL thoughts and updates injuries, things of that nature. So let's jump right into it. So we're going to start with NBA news. I'm going to start with my early preseason thoughts. And so far, I mean, there's nothing really noteworthy to me personally, because simply put, I don't, I take the preseason with a grain of salt. Like starters usually typically play somewhere around 17, 18 minutes. They, that's, that's maybe the first quarter and some change, maybe. So, I take that with a grain of salt. I don't really look into it. But what I will say is that a lot of these overseas young guys, they actually look really good. And I thought one of the guys who were noteworthy was Scoop. And I know a lot of people have spoken about him. I mean, he's a 7-4 wing player who can bring the ball up, finish at the rim. I think he... I think for his size, I think he could be a bit more of a better rebounder. Well, his name, that's the other guy, but I, I can't recall his name right now. But for his size, though, he's seven four. I would like to see him be a better rebounder. I mean, he finished the game with three rebounds. I'm sorry. I understand he's a perimeter play despite his size, but I need more than three rebounds out of a seven four guy. I just, I just need to see more than that. And I think, to be frank and be honest, I think he has all the skill sets to be really darn good once he actually does get an opportunity to play at the highest level as well as just developing a more aggressive mentality, knowing that each and every night he may be the most physically imposing figure on the court. So he should definitely take advantage of that. And with his skill set, there isn't any doubt in my mind that he could transition to the league and be successful as long as he keeps the right mentality, work ethic, and just continues to hone in on his crowd. Because you're not going to be good or even great in this game if you're not continuously working on your craft. You have to, at the very least, to be good, you have to keep perfecting what you're good at. So that's just my thoughts on that situation. But other than that, Preseason, like I said, not really much to speak on. The starters, the superstars of the league look just like that. Superstars. I thought I thought the Warriors looked good with their limited time with Steph on the court. I thought the Lakers looked better with LeBron shooting better from the field. But again, I take the preseason a grain of salt. I don't look into it any deeper than I have to. I will say this though, another news, Zion Williamson has seemed to be in better shape. He looks healthier. He looks like he's dropped about 15, 20 pounds. That's really, really good for him. And he looks as quick and as explosive as he did once he entered the league. He it was against it was against the Bulls. I forgot who it was on. I think it was Patrick Williams. I could be mistaken, but he did a one one dribble move and just a literally exploded and just flew past him and just was at the rim in a matter of a second. I mean, this dude's first step is just insane. And 
He's going to be a problem, man. The, the, the Pelicans will be a problem this year with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, these dudes there. They're going to be an issue, man. I really believe so. But in other news, though, let's get into Draymond Green and his incident regards to Jordan Poole. But just in case you guys did not hear, Draymond Green and the Jordan Poole teammates got into it at practice. I believe this transpired yesterday, last night. And Draymond Green is actually facing a suspension, possibly, after the altercation between him and Jordan Poole, where it's reported that he actually struck Jordan Poole in the face after a disagreement or a dispute they had in practice. Now, I'm not fully aware or sure of the details of the dispute and what exactly transpired. I've heard rumors, but I'm not fully sure if they're concrete or there's something to really go with. But what we do know for sure, there was an altercation between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. And Draymond Green was the aggressor in the situation, so he will be facing disciplinary actions. Now, with that being said, I've spoken on this before in regards to Michael Jordan and how a lot of people believe Jordan was some kind of men amongst boys because he was one of the physically abused his teammates. I I just don't think it's that deep. I don't think you need to be hitting any grown man as another grown man because of how you feel as if they're not giving their all in the practice or a disagreement about something or just a, a simple dispute. It's, it's just not that deep to me. And I think for anyone to hit anyone over a sport, over a game, regardless of your career or not, I just think it's very, very immature. And that's not me ragging on Draymond Green in any way, but it is me saying that I don't know why in the world he would do this. He's smarter than that. He knows better than that. I mean, this is a dude that's been in the league for quite some time. Jordan Poole is still a relatively young player, so he should be more, a lot more level-headed than Jordan Poole. But what happened has happened. He will be facing some kind of punishment. More than likely, he'll be suspended for maybe a game or two. Who knows? But I don't really see it going any deeper than that. He may be fine. But it ain't going to be nothing he can't afford. So, I don't look at it as it has to be bigger than it has to be. No. But it is something that if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm going to my veteran player and saying, like, you got to be smarter than that, man. You know this game. You know how things work. Come on. But other NBA news, though, it's some few things I want to speak on as well. And it actually has to be in regards to, oh, excuse me, my apologies, guys. This is actually going to be in regards to <clears throat> the Milwaukee Bucks actually possibly trading for Jordan Clarkson. Now, I don't know if they officially traded for him yet, but I do see rumors and reports saying that Jordan Clarkson may very well end up in the Bucks uniform. As we all know, the Utah Jazz are in full rebuild. They traded away to go bear. They traded away Donovan Mitchell. They pretty much revamped their entire starting unit, and now they're getting rid of their sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, who is rumored to be going to the Bucks. Now, let me say this. If he goes to Milwaukee, he instantly helps Milwaukee get back in not only contention, but win another championship. They already are a contending team. They already have, in my personal opinion, the best player in the league. They already have one of the better overrated 
not overrated, underrated backcourts in the league and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I think I think with Drew Holiday being the all-world defender he is, he's going to wreak havoc on anyone on any given night on that end. He could give you 15, 18 points a night. He's that kind of guy, that kind of score. Giannis, we know what Giannis is. Chris Middleton, the 50, 40, 90 guy. And you throw in Jordan Clarkson in there coming off the bench, giving you good minutes with the likes of Bobby Porter still, with Brooke Lopez at center. I mean, this is a really good team. The only thing I never liked about the Bucks is Mike Budenholz. I never liked him as a coach, and I never will. It's not going to happen. I don't care how many championships he wins. His, his inability to change and simply just adjust to the game to give his team the best chance to win in different situations kills me. Like, it is detrimental and it's just downright disgusting to watch. But at the end of the day, they get drawn Clarkson. This team is my favorite to win the East. I, they are already one of the favorites to win it. If they get Jordan Clarkson, that just solidifies it for me. But with that being said, let's go ahead into some NFL news I want to speak on. First and foremost, I want to speak on this whole Tua Tagovailoa situation in the Miami Dolphins. I haven't really given my thoughts since the event has transpired, but I'm going to give my thoughts here and now. First and foremost... I'm letting this be known. I stopped listening and stopped following a lot of Miami Dolphins creators, podcasters. A lot. I mean, a lot. I don't. I don't wish to hear their opinions on this matter anymore because, quite frankly, it's obvious who are the kiss ups, if you know, for lack of a better terminology, in the Dolphins community on these podcasts. Because, listen, I'm not gonna call dudes out my names, but. There was a specific podcast that I used to listen to on a daily basis. I talked about it on here numerous times. A lot of guys in there making skits for the Dolphins saying that Tua actually did not have a concussion. You don't need to be a doctor to know what concussion-like symptoms are or a person that may be experiencing a concussion. You don't need to be a doctor to do that. And I'm tired of people using this argument, we're not doctors, we can't determine that. We, we may not be doctors, but we have common sense. Okay, like, let's stop. And what kills me is that right after it was reported and it came out that the doctor who evaluated Tua Tagovailoa for a concussion made several mistakes and was fired because of that. Now it's, oh, well, that's not the Dolphins' fault. That's why I unsubscribed. Because at that point, you're moving the goalposts to just exempt them from blame. At the end of the day, the Dolphins still had a team doctor examine Tua throughout the week. They still had a team doctor examine him at the Bills game, and they both failed at their jobs. To be honest, both doctors should be fired, and some coach's job should be in jeopardy. That's how big of a situation this was. This man could have lost his life on that field Thursday night, and it would have been the organizations and the league's fault. I don't care who does not like knowing that, but that is a fact. It would have, they would have took partial blame in that controversy. And if you don't like knowing that for the fact that it is, then stop listening because I'm not going to change my mind about that. I don't care less about whoever feels any way about that. But with that being said, Tua Tagovailoa is doing better. He's fine. He's in the neck brace. 
I'm not sure when he will be returning. I would expect this no time soon. I think me personally, I've said this on TikTok and I said this on Facebook. I got a lot of backlash for it. But me personally, I think Tuazangolo should retire. And it's not just because of what transpired Thursday with the concussions and things. No, it's not about that. It's the fact that he simply put does not have the build or the durability to play this game at a high level for a long time. Because you you drafted this guy. We got to think about it from the player's perspective, his family perspective, and the team's perspective. So let's start with the team's perspective since that's the one I could care less about. But it's, you got to call it how you see it. You drafted a guy who has never played a fully healthy season in his football career. Not NFL career, football career. Notice the difference there. Since high school, Tua Tagovailoa has suffered an injury that has derailed him for at least a game since high school. I'm sorry. That is a red flag right then and there because if you cannot stay healthy for an entire season, you already are not the guy at the position. The quarterback position is the one position in football where you cannot afford the guy to miss a game here and there each year. You, you can't afford it because that's literally the most important position in the league. It's the most critical position to, to the success of a team. And it's the one position that you want to be a constant, constant for you each and every week and every year. That's the one position you want to be that. And he has not been that ever. It's, it's not just in his, again, it's not just in the NFL. He's never been that. Since high school to college to now, he's never been the guy that can stay healthy throughout an entirety of a season. It's never been him, and there's no indication that it ever will be. I mean, he's not getting younger. The injuries won't just magically stop with age. In fact, they may get worse. But at the end of the day, I just feel as if this is a guy who the team has invested in to be that guy for the next 10 to 12 years. And I just don't know if his body can hold up for that long period of time. I mean, you look at guys, I mean, a lot of people say, well, he is undersized, things of that nature. That's that's fine, but you could look at guys like Russell Wilson. Outside of last year, he didn't miss a single game for any reason. You go back to Kyler Murray. Outside of last year, again, Kyler Murray has been a pretty darn healthy quarterback. I mean, he hasn't missed time at all from what I from from what I understand, from what I know outside of last season when he had an injury, he hasn't missed time. I mean, a lot of people want to compare, oh, what about Joe Burrow injuries and this, that, and the third. Listen, the issue with comparing Joe Burrow to Tua is yes, Joe Burrow did blow out his knee his first year. I'm not denying that. He did. He had a catastrophic knee injury that Maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, to end of his career. I'm not denying that. But at the end of the day, Joe Burrow has never had the injury history or been plagued with injuries like Tua has been. He's he's never been that. Never. He gets hit and he can get back up. Yeah, he may be bumped and bruised. But at the end of the day, Joe Burrow gets up from more hits than not. 
Can you honestly, can we honestly say the same thing about Tua? Can we say that every single time Tua takes somewhat of a big hit, you're worried that he won't get back up? You are. Because whenever we've seen him take big hits, more than half the time, it leads to some kind of injury to him. More than half the time. It just does. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not that I don't want to see this dude succeed. I do. I love Tua. I have a jersey. I wanted the Dolphins to draft him, etc. But at the end of the day, you got to be honest about what you got. And that's what he is. That's, that's simply just what he is. Now, from the player's perspective, and this is the one I think is the most important, I got to look at it like, listen, I got to be honest with myself. I've been in this game for a long time, not just NFL, but throughout my entirety of my life, I've played this game. It's never truly worked out in terms of my health. And now I have suffered a head injury that could very much so down the road be detrimental for me. So do I want to keep sustaining the said injuries or the possibility of it? And my answer, if it was me, would be no. Because at the end of the day, while I love this game maybe more than anything in my life right now, I have to be smart about my future and being there for my family after all of this is said and done. So I have to take all those things in consideration and looking at my resume, looking at my past history with injuries while playing, do I feel confident in myself and in my body to continuously take hits like this and to be able to take hits like this on a consistent basis for the next 10 to 12 years? My heart tells me yes, of course, because I love the game of football. I'm competitive. I am a a natural go-getter and I want to be the best and prove all the haters wrong. But my mind and brain tells me I have to do what's the smartest and logical choice. And I think the most logical choice Tua could make is walking away from the game while he can now. He, that To me, that is just the smartest choice he can make. And again, this isn't me saying Tua can't play or me saying Tua needs to retire because he sucks, whatever. This is me looking at Tua the person, not the football player. Because Tua the football player has answered a lot of questions in the past just three weeks alone about his play and can he be consistent. He's made consistently really damn good throws. He's read defenses pretty well. He's made some few hiccups here and there, but... What quarterback hasn't? But at the end of the day, in my personal opinion, I just believe he has to have that honest conversation with himself. And with his family, the same thing. They got to have that honest conversation with him. Like, listen, we'd rather have you home than to see you on the field passed out like that again. Unconscious like that again. I mean, he, he literally got up not knowing what happened on that play. As if he didn't go through the play and emotions himself. Like, he, he literally didn't know what happened. I'm not saying that he should have known the results of the play because, you know, what happened is such a blunt, short period. But at the same time, he should have known he held on the ball and got hit. He didn't know none of that. And that is, that is concerning. That's concerning. I mean, I'm just saying, man. It's not like he threw the ball away or something to not know what happened after. He had the ball the entirety of the time. But, hey, man, I'm just saying. But 
with that being said, long story short, the Dolphins definitely deserve blame in this circumstance. If you believe the Dolphins do not deserve any blame in this circumstance, you are simply a fool and you are just a diehard Dolphin fan or you just simply put, and I'm going to be very honest, but this is going to come off rude, you're an idiot. That's it. I don't speak to idiots. I don't do morons because anyone who believes the Dolphins did their due diligence by tour is an idiot. And I will stand on that. I could care less about who feels any way about that. Now, with that being said, let's get into some other week four news. So, Kenny Pickett made his first appearance in the NFL. Regular season play, that is. So, their game against the... Who, who they just played? I believe it was the Jets. They, the game against the Jets. <clears throat> Kenny Pickett made an appearance. And they ended up losing the game. Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions. And a lot of people was telling me that the interception wasn't his fault. Well, the Hail Mary wasn't his fault. The other two were bad choices. They were, they were bad choices. They were bad choices. They were bad throws. I'm be honest. Now, he gave Clay's Chapel a chance on the first interception he had, which I can live with. I can live with that type of throw from a rookie quarterback because you're just trying to give your playmakers a chance. They gotta. He, he has to understand and learn to understand this isn't college. You can't just throw a willy 50-50 ball every other play or something like that. You got to be able to read and pro- go through your progressions of the defense and make the best throw at the time. Now, there will be opportunities to make those kind of throws and take those kind of chances, but as it stands, 8 out of 10 times, you want to take whatever the defense gives you. 8 out of 10 times. Them other two chances... Yeah, you, you take your chances and you just show that your guy's better than their guy. But for the most part, you you take what you can get. Now with that being said, I thought he looked okay. I mean I don't I don't think he looked like this second coming and new fresh of breath air for the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers offense like some people believe. But I don't think he looked downright terrible like other people believe either. I think he's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> like, he showed, he just definitely showed the, the offense ceiling can be higher with him than Trubisky. I'm not sure exactly how much higher, though, but it could definitely be higher. And I think he has showed that he can make some pretty impressive throws even under pressure because um, one throw, I believe, on the goal line. I, I, believe, I forgot who he threw this ball to, but he was barreled down by a defender. He just got absolutely crushed. But but right before he got hit, he threw a dart. So I believe it, it may have been George Pickens. I'm not fully sure. But he threw a dart, and it was spot on. So the guy has the talent. I mean, I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm not a huge fan of King Pickett, but I think he's decent. I think he's more than capable of being the average starter in the league. He could be a top 15, top 16 kind of guy. But in my opinion, he didn't show that potential fully this past week. But I think he could get there. That being said, other news we have from week four. The Giants are 3-1 people. I just wanted to throw that out there. I can't believe the Giants are 3-1 they may be the worst thing one team I've ever seen. But other than that, the Chargers are back in the win column going 2-2. Two two. The Vikings are 3-1. First time ever in Kirk Cousins' 
career, he starts the season off 3-1. So congrats to Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson just absolutely barbecued. And I mean killed <laughs> Marshawn Lattimore. It, it was a it was a long day for Marshawn Lattimore. Let's just say that. He he had his hands for the entirety of the day. And with that being said, I'm going to get off into my other week four news and updates. And I got something I want to discuss, and we have to speak on this because this is something that a lot of people have been speaking on. Are the Eagles phonies or are they legit? In my personal opinion, I think the Eagles are legit. Why? Because for one, I am a huge Jalen Hurts dude. I said coming out of Oklahoma, when he got drafted by the Eagles, I told some of my friends, who are, one of them are Eagles fans, and I told my other ones who happen to be Dolphin fans, tell Carson Wentz to count his days because Jalen Hurts is coming for that job. And long behold, did he take the job? Yes, he did. He looks fantastic. I mean, this dude right now, as it stands, this dude right now, as it stands, is a top five passer in the league. He's, he's throwing over 1,100 yards already in the season. I believe he's the top rushing quarterback in the se- in this season, if I'm not mistaken, behind Lamar Jackson, of course. He's rushed, I believe he's rushed for the most touchdowns, though, from any quarterback. If I'm not mistaken by that, I'm not fully sure. But I believe he's rushed for the most. Yes, he, he has. He's rushed for four. So, yeah, he got Lamar beat. So, he's he's getting it done through the air. He's getting it done in other ways, unethical ways. As like you all, some people, now you all like to cruci- crucify Lamar for doing. He's getting it done the other ways. And his team is undefeated. I could care less about who they're playing on this schedule. Yes, opponent matters to the grand scheme of things, but the only thing he can do is go out and play the teams that's on the schedule. That's all you can do. You cannot expect to put people up and say, oh, well, they only beat these guys. Listen, all you can do is play the people on your schedule. That's all you can do. You cannot make the league hand you anyone to prove anything to anybody. All you can do is play the people on your schedule. That's all you can do. People have to understand that. And they were out here losing to the likes of the the Commanders, to the Vikings, who happens to be a good team. The Jaguars happen to be a good team as well. Or the Lions, who is a high-powered offense. It would be issues. But since they're winning, now you got to make excuses. Oh, well, they're supposed to beat this team. They're supposed to do. No, no, no. Let's not move the goal post to prove a point. They're a good team. He's a good quarterback. He is showing that the A.J. Brown investment that the Eagles put with him has been paying off. Miles Sanders has looked good as well. Devontae Smith has looked good as well. The offensive line has looked good. They have a really good foundation there because their front seven is legit as well. They got two. They may have the best cornerback duo in the game right now with Slay and Bradbury. So they look really darn good, man. But with that being said, we'll get into our week five predictions. I don't have any more major news from week four other than Mac Jones getting hurt. But I believe he was going to sit anyway regardless of how you look at it he was dealing with a lot of injuries the past 
couple weeks. I think he got he because he did get hurt week one against the Dolphins, and then just that injury just got worse lingeringly, and then he got hurt again. So hope the best for him. I hope he comes back healthy. I hate to see injuries in this game, but as we all know, it is a part of the game. So let's go ahead and get into the fan not fan Q name, but let's go ahead and get into our predictions for this week five. Let me go ahead and pull up the schedule, see who we got. I'm not sure why my sports app isn't working, but okay, let me go, let me just go to the NFL. Guys, I have no idea why I can't pull up no schedule. What's, what's going on? All right, guys, I'm back. My apologies for that. My internet went out for some strange reason, but let's get into it. So Thursday night, which is tonight, we got the Colts at the Broncos. The Colts will be without Jonathan Taylor. That is a huge blow for the Colts. And they're going to mile high. I got to get this one to the Broncos. I think the Broncos, I, I'm not overly impressed with their offense, but I am impressed with their defense. I think Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb can be slightly better as a pass rush duo, but their secondary has been nearly lights out. And with Pat Sertain playing the way he's playing and developing to the corner he's developing into, I think this defense could be a top five unit this year. So I got the Broncos winning that. Then we got the Dolphins at the Jets. I got us winning that despite the fact that Tua will not be playing. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very capable quarterback in this league. He could be a starter on about four or five other teams around the league. So I think that the Dolphins take that. Giants at Green Bay. I got the Packers. We got Detroit going to the Patriots. I actually have Detroit winning this game because I do not believe the, the Patriots can put up points with the Lions. Now, the Patriots can find a way to stop the Lions' offense, which... I'm not really too sold on they could. I can see them winning this game, but I don't think they can hold them under 28 points. Steelers at Buffalo. I want to see the Steelers win this game just for sake of division purposes, but I can't be biased. The Buffalo will win this game, especially with King Pickett making his first career start. Atlanta with Tampa Bay. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that at home. Seahawks at New Orleans. This should be an interesting game. I'm going to slightly edge this to New Orleans, though. I think they can get back on track. Houston at the Jags. I got the Jaguars winning that. Did they get back in the win column this week? Tennessee at the Commanders. I got the Commanders bouncing back. I don't, I don't, I'm not a believer in Tennessee at all. I mean, they, they just seem to me, Derrick Henry has said he's lost a step or two. I mean, he's still a very ferocious back. Don't get me wrong, but he's not running with that same energy of power as I want to see. Maybe that has something to do with the offensive line, though, because that old line is not what he once used to be. Bears and Vikings. I got the Vikings taking that. Let me say this before I move on. It is a federal crime of how the Bears have handled Justin Fields. They provided him with zero offensive weaponry to work with. His offensive line is horrible. The coach they hired, a defensive-minded guy, he's coaching a defensive unit that is 
at best average. And their rushing attack is at best average as well. David Montgomery's a good running back, but their running schemes and their play styles is just horrendously bad. And I honestly just, I usually don't feel bad for players because they're millionaires playing the game at the end of the day, but I feel horrible for Justin Fields. It's like, what in the world do you want him to do? I mean, outside of Darren Mooney, there is nothing on that offensive side of the ball that is a reliable catching threat. And it's and he isn't even the, he's not even number one to me. He's a he's a two. So I, I man, I just feel oh, then we got the Chargers at the Browns. Mm, this is kind of tough on the call, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I think they win in the high scoring game. 49ers at Panthers. I got a 49ers winning that. Matt Rule, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired after this week. He he has the offense looking horrible. Baker Mayfield looks like he's gotten worse. I don't know how, but I got a 49ers winning that. Dallas at the LA Rams. I got the Rams winning that. I mean, they, they need to bounce back because if they lose this game against a Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys team, it's going to start being questions about more than just Super Bowl hangover. This team has serious problems. Eagles at the Cardinals. This is kind of a toss-up as well, man, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals only because I think they have to lose eventually. I just do. I think it's getting to the point where like teams are now starting to take notes. Okay. They're undefeated. We got to give them our best. I think the Cardinals are going to do that. The Bengals at the Ravens. I got the Ravens bouncing back winning this. And then we got the Raiders at the Chiefs. Now, division games are always tough to call, but at home in Arrowhead against a division rival, I think the Raiders will be beaten. I will say this, though. If Derek Carr can continue the game, continue on from the game he had last week against the Broncos, I can very much see them winning this game. But until then, I got to go with my homeboy <laughs> and the patty mates. But with that being done, let me go ahead and get into the fan Q&A, guys. Let me go ahead and pull up. Let me go ahead and pull up this <clears throat> fan Q&A. My apologies, guys. My internet is still running slow. Let me go ahead and get this pulled up real quick. All right, guys. I got the questions pulled up now. So this first question comes from Randy Price. He says, how many games will the Chargers win by the end of the year? And coming into the seasons, I predicted the Chargers to win not only their division, but I predicted them to win about 13 games. I think the 13 games can still stand if, if they can get back healthy. But if they can't, I think I think their game winning percentage would probably be about 11, 11, max 12. So I only a game or two difference. There'll still be a playoff team for me. This next question comes from Nico Stevens. Is Tennessee now back the favorite to win the AFC South? No, they're not. I think Jacksonville is the better team. For me personally, I think Jacksonville is the better team. I'm not impressed with the Colts at all. So beating the Colts doesn't move me in the slightest. And 
to be frank and be honest, Jacksonville just looks like the better team in that division right now. I mean, Trevor Lawrence likes he's easily looking like the best quarterback in the division, which is the most important position in football. Their defense, their first seven specifically, looks amazing. They're playing lights out right now. And Christian Kirk, for all the controversy he received for receiving his contract, has looked pretty damn good. I mean, I'm just saying, like, he's looked good in that system as their number one. And the backfield of Travis Etienne and James Robinson has been a really dynamic one-two punch. In fact, it's probably been the best, second best in the league behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So, I think they're doing well. And I, I like them to win that division. Okay, so this next question comes from Dante McGray. Why doesn't Rob Palenka pull the trigger and make this trade with the Pacers happen already? Honestly, man, I don't know. Because me personally, I said from the jump, the best fit for LeBron and AD and these dudes is to go out and get Buddy Hill and and throw it in Miles Turner will help AD play less center because he he doesn't want to be a center, he wants to be a power forward. I think it's just a win-win situation. Now, maybe it's because the Pacers simply don't want Westbrook, which I don't think is the case. I mean, Westbrook is still a very legit starter in this league. He gets a bad rep because he isn't a good fit for the Lakers. And I said he wasn't a good fit when he got there. No one wanted to listen to me. They just seen the name. But it is what it is. Next question comes from Non Martinez. How much fault can we place on the quarterback for a team offensive struggles versus what we can fault them for? You can place a lot of blame on quarterbacks for offensive struggles. Because at the end of the day, if a throw is open and he doesn't make the, the throw, simply put, it's his fault. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, that perfect example is Baker Mayfield, right? I feel as if Matt Rule offensive play calling has been horrendous. But there are plays and there are instances where Baker is simply just not making the throws. Like, for example, the interception he had, this I believe it was this past week, against the Cardinals. Yep, it was against the Cardinals. The interception he had, he threw behind Robbie, not Robbie, DJ Moore terribly. When he had the corner beat on the corner route, and that created the tip ball for DJ Moore, which got intercepted. That's just a bad throw. I can't blame a coach for that. I can't blame the play call for that. That's simply just a bad throw. You made the right read. You had the look you wanted. You just didn't make the play. Now, with that being said, there are things you also can't blame a quarterback for because you can set up a, a bad offensive play or a bad system that puts your guy in the least bit of, you know, percentile of success rate against certain defenses. So, for me personally, I say quarterbacks take about, they should take about 50% of the blame, but in reality, they probably take about a good 70, 75%, when it should be half a half. Because right now, if you look at the Cardinals, I think Cliff Kingsbury has been the biggest issue for the Cardinals, not Kyler Murray, like how a lot of people try to make it seem as if he is. I don't think Kyler Murray is the issue with the Cardinals. And this next question comes from Dequay Moore. 
the Q more. Is T Law the best quarterback in the NFC South? Yep, I said he is. I, I truly believe he is the best quarterback in that division. There's no doubt in my mind about it. He's just playing at a really high level right now, and he's growing in confidence. And with that being said, if he can continue to grow confidence, by the end of this year, he should be a top 10 quarterback. He should be. I'm not saying he will be. He should be. But that's all I got for you guys today. Y'all be sure to like, comment, subscribe to the channel on YouTube, Last Word Productions. Be sure to follow me on all my social platforms. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. I promise you, whatever you see, Social media, whenever you see it, just look up Lazarus Productions. I am on now, I promise you. Thank y'all for your time. I'll see y'all in the next one.